So, Austin, did that recent hail storm cause some damage to your vehicle? Luxury Auto Works now brings you Austin's Luxury Auto Body for all of your collision and hail repair needs. We take all major insurance and provide same-day appointments and guarantee our work. Luxury Auto Works is your European dealership alternative for service and repair needs. BMW, Mercedes, Land Rover, Jaguar, and Audi. To book your appointment today for collision, hail, service, and repair needs. That's Luxury Auto Works. From the 102.7 ESPN studios in Austin, Texas, this is the Jeff and Ed Show. Hey, welcome to our little show. Here's the way it works. I riff on stuff. You react, phone numbers, 512-834-1027. You'll need them, 512-834-1027 on Twitter or X. Not allowed to call Twitter now, I guess. Even I've held out this long. Um, I'm at Jeff Ward Show for a follow. If you want to post comments, you can do that. All I ask is you not suck. Get to the point. Make the show better if you can. That's at Jeff Ward Show. Check out the show podcast. Subscribe to it. Uh, apparently, it's a big hit in Serbia. The Swedes like it, too. There's a bunch of listeners. <laughs> I don't know if it's good that I've dug into that or not. I'm not quite sure what to make of it. And for whatever reason, only four right now downloads from China. It seems like a mismarketing opportunity. What can I do about that? i got to fix that. Uh, it's at Jeff Ward Show. Uh, the podcast, wherever you download your podcast, we drop it each afternoon. Same with the YouTube channel as well. You can find the Jeff Ward Show on YouTube. Subscribe to it. We drop that each afternoon, even though I look like Shrek and there's a really bright light in my face. Um, I, I think it's aired already. And here's the weird thing about the Bye Bye Barry documentary, which I'm really, I just find it interesting because... I find, I've already argued, I think he's the best running back of all time. It means nothing nowadays because nobody cares about running backs. To say that anybody was the best running back of all time is an immediate argument and a good one. You go to Jim Brown, you go to Earl Campbell, you go to Eric Dickerson. Some might even go to OJ. I would tell you that had Bo Jackson stayed healthy, that would have been the best running back and quite possibly the best football player of all time. In my opinion, Jerry Rice is the best offensive player of all time, but I would argue Barry Sanders is the best running back ever to play the game. Now, there are different degrees of that. You know, Earl Campbell may have been the, was probably the best power back of all time. Jim Brown, some would argue the same. Um, so I, I, I get that there are different degrees. I'd still say you give him the ball 25 times and it's the best show for anyone ever carrying the ball. None of it matters anymore, right? But so I think what's going to be interesting is that, you know, whenever these, these documentaries hit, an entire new generation of people learned OJ, learned about the Bulls and Michael Jordan, and I think we're going to learn about, oh my gosh, look at that guy. This is crazy. This is freakish. I hate the statement, there'll never be another one like, but I feel comfortable saying there will never be another one like. Christian McCaffrey is arguably, no, not even arguably, is the most dynamic runner of today. 
and has been for a few years. No way he's in the category of Barry Sanders. No. No way. If you don't even want to have an argument about the most, the best running back of all time, then do this. The most dynamic player of all time. If you want to put it in parentheses, say the most highlight-worthy player of all time. And I'm going to tell you it's Barry Sanders. I mean, I, I Jerry Rice, okay, but I don't think those, those clips are as crazy as Barry Sanders' clips. Some of Walter Payton is. Some of Earl Campbell is. But if you just take away all the nerdy football stuff and say, hey, man, who is the best YouTube show in football history? I think it's Barry Sanders. Number two would be... Maybe Walter Payton. Number three might be Jim Brown. No, Earl Campbell belongs in that top three as well. So we just take one of your kids who's into football and say, you're not going to believe this. You're not going to believe this. This this son, this daughter, is back when running backs used to get the ball a lot. They were the most important players on the team at one time. I know it's weird. I know you only know receivers and quarterbacks. But there was a time... When they mattered a lot. And this guy, we just watch him. Sit down and just watch these clips, and you're going to laugh out loud. So this documentary is coming out about Barry Sanders called Bye Bye Barry. Here's where the thing falls apart. I've read some reviews of this. And where it falls apart is it doesn't have enough drama. That's a problem with Barry Sanders. Barry Sanders, the most dynamic player ever to play the game, played in Detroit, of which no one cared. The only reason to care was Barry Sanders. For some bizarre reason, the quarterback on those teams, a guy by the name of Scott Mitchell, who sucked, has come out now and is fighting everyone. And I I don't know why he can't understand. You do know you sucked, your team sucked, and you don't matter. Why are you saying he's mad? I want some attention. So, not only was he on a terrible team that could never do anything, I think he played, what, three playoff games? Even that seems like a stretch. Nondescript franchise with no history. The problem with Barry Sanders and the reason why this won't go very far is he had no drama. He quit under no drama. He had no drama. He was the least dramatic player, star player that you could ever imagine. He just wasn't comfortable. He just got sick of losing and quit. You know what he did when he quit? He sent a fax. That's it. He went out of town, sent a fax on retiring, and that's it. So I don't think this thing, unfortunately, takes off because it doesn't meet the American standard of sad, dramatic drama. It's the only player that had no drama. (laughs) So the documentary struggles and all the critics are, are, are ripping the documentary saying... We'll get to the point. And Barry Sanders kept saying, there is no point. I really just quit because that's just me. He refused to go back into a game one time to break a record. When he scored, watch the clips. He hands the ball to the referee. I don't even know if I've ever heard Barry Sanders talk until the last couple of years. So it's not going to work because of the lack of drama. Um... And that, that's just disappointing to me because I just, I want, I just want more people to watch these highlights. I, I, I've never seen anybody, I'm thinking about in my career, I played against Bo Jackson as the, the most impressive player I've ever seen. 
I played with a guy who was probably on a list, a few lists of most dynamic players, a guy by the name of Eric Metcalf. Had a little bit of Barry Sanders in him, straightaway breakaway speed unlike anybody else. The guy was in the was an Olympic long jumper. Super dynamic player. But nothing like Barry Sanders. Nothing. So they do the best they can to make the story more entertaining. They interview a bunch of famous people about him. Um, but I really do think if you take most people who follow, have followed football, I'm going to say above the age of 35, I'm trying to think of the time period at which you would have been exposed to Barry Sanders. Um, because you really exposure to Barry Sanders when you're watching TV on a Sunday would be highlights. They would cut in and show Barry Sanders highlights and they'd be ridiculous. I'm telling you, if somebody documented, and I'm sure somebody has, he would have these runs. It'd be like a 12-yard run, and it would take 12 seconds because he would go all over the field and no one could catch him or knock him down. So he would have, I bet you, total yardage covered. No one's even close. He had could have broken the rushing record, chose not to because he didn't go back in the game. So let's say in any year that Barry Sanders rushed for 1,500 yards, he really covered like 5,000 yards because <laughs> he would go backwards some. We'll never see somebody like Barry Sanders again. It was lightning from the first snap that he took. Because of that, Detroiters were just all in. For this second, he's here. And then 1,001, he's not here anymore. He's over there, and you're tackling air. Normal joints don't move the way Barry Sanders' joints move. I'm sorry. How do you juke people, get to the end zone, and just give the ball to the ref? He's so humble, and it's real. He just wanted to play football. This guy did something special every single Sunday. He gave Detroit a sense of hope that the city desperately needed. It's a privilege to be one of the players that will help restore the roar. We had the greatest running back that ever played the game. But then, something happened. Shocking announcement has thousands of fans feeling flustered. Barry Sanders will retire, not with the press conference, but with a statement. He sends a fax Fax machine? Everybody's trying to figure out why. What the F are you doing? Was Barry frustrated playing for a losing team? Is this a bargaining ploy? My dad was opinionated. It was tough to experience that. He would tell Barry he'll never be better than Jim Brown. He was affected by guys who got hurt. Or his teammates suffer serious injuries. Nobody walks away at the peak of their powers like this. There has to be something else. Marker? Nope, nothing else. He just quit. <laughs> it's like, it's awesome. Oh, yeah, we're so used to documentaries being so good. And, and I know some guys that shoot them, and they're just they're creative and masterful, and um, and they select subjects that have that that impact. And I, I, I haven't seen the final clip where he's... There's the final shot of the documentary is him sitting down. He's chubby and has gray hair. He's a little bitty dude anyway. And he doesn't talk a whole lot and never has. He's not a dumb guy. And the setup is, okay, here it comes. 
And we know what here it comes is going to be exactly what Travis Kelsey was saying, exactly what Andrew Luck was saying, that the dudes around me are getting hurt. I hurt. I really am not enjoying it that much, and we're not going to win. So I just quit and sent a fax. Goodbye. That's it. The thing is that people don't go back far enough. I've said this to Ed a couple days ago. He did the same stuff in college. He's playing at Oklahoma State. I think he had three scholarship offers. The guy's 5'7", five, 5'8", five, maybe. He had three scholarship offers. He gets 2,000 yards like it's nothing on a nondescript college program. Then turns around does the exact same looking thing in the NFL. At a time when running backs are the most important part of a franchise. When defenses... Their sole mission was to stop running backs. And they had a garbage offensive line that couldn't open a hole for him at all. And he ran away from everyone. <laughs> like a kid in a playground. And got to the end zone and never said a word. And then quit and sent a fax. I think it's cool. I think it's so understated that <laughs> it's kind of cool. Every other documentary has this horrific drama and hate and emotion and some crying. And he's just going to be a guy that said, man, I don't know. It just wasn't that much fun anymore. That's it. He would have been the all-time leading rusher. Easily. Cedric Golden said earlier, and he's right. Had you put Barry Sanders at the time period with the Dallas Cowboys, he would have had 2,500 or more yards. He rushed for almost six yards a carry on a team that was trash. You put him in Dallas, it might have been eight or nine. He would have been unstoppable. On, a, on a, even a mediocre team, he would have been unstoppable. Same, same was for Bo Jackson, just in different kinds of ways. Bo Jackson was doing it on a good team, and he was well on his way to shattering every record there was. Just a different kind of runner. There. I'm trying to sell it all I can. I'm trying to sell that documentary all I can just because I want to make people watch the highlights. Just because there's no, you will not see anything like it again because the game will not be like that again. You'll see another Jerry Rice. Heck, some would argue you're already seeing them now. You'll see another Marino. You're seeing it now. You'll see another Brady. You'll see another Lawrence Taylor. I never thought that would happen. And there's, there's a couple of them now. You'll see all those things again, because that's the game. You will not see a player like Barry Sanders again. Jeff Ward and Ed Clements. Afternoons 4 to 6 on 1027 ESPN. You're listening to The Jeff and Ed Show on 1027 ESPN. Here we go on Twitter or X. X, i got to say from now on. At Jeff Ward Show, what about Walter? He's my favorite running back, Sweetness. Barry's Idol. Yeah, I put him on that highlight reel list of mine. I made a, I came up with uh, my own list of the best highlight reels of all time. It, number one is Barry Sanders. I think two is Earl Campbell. Um, three might be Lawrence Taylor. That's just people getting their heads knocked off. Um, the Raiders... Raider documentaries like entertain me as well. They're cool stories and great football and different football. And I, the other day, I can't believe I nerded out on this whole thing about John Madden and just how different the Raiders played. 
how deep they just threw the ball down the field all the time. They just chunked it as far as they could. Really interesting. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's no arguing. Walter Payton's a guy that played for the most part in lousy teams himself and was one of the great power runners of all time at 5'9", like 210 or something. Uh, fair point. I don't, I don't put him with Barry Sanders, but I'll, yeah, sure. At Jeff Ward Show. Watch Bye Bye Barry last night. Fantastic story. Thanks for the tip. There you go. You know what doesn't come up very often anymore? Who's going to coach Texas A&M? It just has gone crickets. I, I guess that's a good thing for them that they've taken their time. I, I don't know. Trying to f- find some more cash. Looking around for some cash in Caldwell. So it just doesn't come up. Uh, I find Richard Sherman is on, he's on Fox. Going to be a Hall of Fame defensive back. Played a long time in the league. Sharp guy from Stanford. High strung. Opinionated. And, you know, it started, he's asked about Deion Sanders. I'm trying to think, did, no way Richard Sherman and Deion Sanders ever played together. No way. Um, but Richard Sherman played a long time. He's asked about Deion Sanders coaching at A&M. And obviously Colorado is the reality has set in. They're not a very good team. They don't have any offense, offensive linemen to speak of at all. And Deion Sanders, I think one of his biggest mistakes along the way is he threw that whole group under the bus and just said publicly one time, well, you guys can find us some more linemen. We're going to go get some. Uh, I don't know that he had to go public with that. I think it's plainly obvious. So they're terrible in the offensive line. So his son, who's a great quarterback, is just getting beaten down. It's just the fact that they don't have linemen is showing itself. I don't think it means he can't coach. But the, but the shine is off this whole thing. Where they lost five or six in a row now? Defense is terrible. Um, and they're playing in the best league in the country. So is it that De- Deion Sanders is not as marketable now, that he would be sort of off the market for A&M, or is it that he just wouldn't fit in at A&M, or they couldn't throw the money at him at A&M? I, I still find it, it would be great for my business if they made a run at him and he took it. It would be great for my business. I can't figure out where they are on that and where he would be on that, but Richard Sherman brought up something I think it's pretty interesting. How much money is enough to leave my sons at Colorado and abandon them and go coach in a school in Texas because they can't leave? And there is not enough money on this earth for Prime to do that. So this conversation isn't as relevant as we're making it out to be. He is a great father, and he has coached his kids at every level that they've played, from Pop Warner to now college football. So I don't think at this point in time he's going to go chase the money and abandon his sons that he literally just said are coming back for another year. Now, if both his sons declared for the draft and they went into the draft and got drafted, then maybe there'd be a chance. There'd be definitely be a conversation and Texas A&M has all the money in the world to throw at Prime. It's funny that these colleges have all the money in the world to literally buy coaches out to, hey, I'm gonna pay you not to coach. But hey, we don't need to pay these kids. We, look, we'll give you 77 million or 72 million to go home. But now we, these kids, this is an amateur game and it's, it's played by amateurs. And we don't want to, to, to have a salary cap and things like that because these players will take it too far. That's the most ridiculous thing about college football. But no, 
I don't think there's a number. I don't think there's a conversation. I don't think Prime would ever even entertain it until his sons are out of college. Yeah, I wonder, but I- uh, well, first of all, Richard Sherman, they do give money to players at A&M and at Texas a lot, but fair enough. I, I think he's probably, I guess he's right. I'm confused. Why is his son staying? I don't get it. I really don't. I, I think it's foolish. His son is an NFL talent, and his son can barely move now because he has taken such a beating. I think it is crazy for that kid to play another year on even a mediocre Colorado team to get beaten down. He can't take any more of this. He's been sacked. The number that he's been hit is just insane. He's injured all the time, and he is a real first-round NFL talent at quarterback. And I, I'm, I don't know if his dad is saying come back, but if so, I think it's bad advice. I think the kid is crazy to return. Uh, I, no, I don't think he'd be one of the first two or three players taken in the draft. I do think he'd be a first-round quarterback. I do think he might be the third quarterback off the board. And if you're the third quarterback off the board and your other prospect is returning to a garbage team to get your head kicked in, I don't know why you stay. I don't care if your dad is there or not. Dad should tell you to go. Dad should tell you to go. So I'm not saying Richard Sherman is wrong. I think that setup is wrong. I think it's a bad move. I don't know about his other kid. I I don't know. Um, But I do know the quarterback is too good to stay. He's really too good to stay when he's not protected at all. It's a mistake. It's a terrible mistake. But if that's the reason why Richard Sherman is saying he would not go to A&M, then I, okay. Okay. What he should say is, my son needs to go get paid. He does not need to take any more hits. It's time to go play in the NFL. Then I don't know what he says after that. I just I forget A and M forget A and M for a second. You guys are irresponsible for that kid to go back to college to take snaps behind that terrible offensive line. He's going to be ruined by the end of next year. Jeff Ward and Ed Clements afternoons four to six on one zero two seven ESPN. Listening to the Jeff and Ed Show on 1027 ESPN. David Purdom covers all things gambling uh, for ESPN on ESPN.com. It's a great piece. Uh, gosh, I mean, I think I see your stuff all the time now. This is a, a terrible question for someone who's sitting here with a giant ESPN logo next to my face right now. So, ESPN bets, does ESPN bets take bets? ESPN bet does. It's a, uh, it's a branded sports book that's run by a company called Penn Entertainment. Um, they previously run sports books called The School and Barstool Sports. Uh, that's how uh, you run ESPN's editorial department where I work for is completely separate. We have nothing to do with the odds. None of our money is ever anything like that. Uh, but Nate is on the ESPN bet sports book. Okay, so money is ex- money is exchanged uh, on ESPN bets. ESPN bet platform, ESPN.com, example. Okay, 
can you can you tell everyone about? I don't know why I'm so fascinated by crazy bets. Usually, I, they're more entertaining when they lose. About the guy that hit the parlay. I want to say it was the Houston Texans parlay. Like set this up. Was it he bet five hundred and won five million? Am I getting that right? Five hundred thousand win five point five million net. It was like million dollar payout because it's five hundred thousand. All these wildest bets right now, they're all coming in Florida. And that state just recently relaunched its sports betting market. And so me that million dollar bets are being put on some lower profile games. And that part of A was the largest that reported about sports books that I can remember since I've been covering them for fifteen years. Uh, the five five fourteen in game parlay on Beatles Texans game that came down remember that game a couple weeks ago, came down to a late comeback drive by C Stroud, last second field goal to win it. That was the final leg of parlay uh, that hit and it paid five point five million dollars. But it's just one example of these wild bets that keep coming out of Florida. Are they of that kind of level, five hundred thousand? They're millions. Uh, millions? For example, two weeks ago, a better in Florida, Hard Rock Sportsbook, the only sportsbook that's been uh, in Florida, uh, they reported taking a million-dollar bet, seven-figure bet, on Kent State plus points against Bowling Green in one of those midweek <laughs> back games, you know? And not only did the bet place that million-dollar plus points, they also put another $500,000 on Kent State State now is a team entering that game and only one big state five hundred thousand for them to win on the mud line. They're like a nine point dog and they lost forty nine to nineteen and losing one point five million dollars. Okay, so the better place to mil- placed separate bets, one of a million, one of five hundred thousand on a Kent State game. Correct. I've never heard of that's the million dollar bet that I never remember being reported uh, by a sports book here in the U.S. Maybe there's been some, uh, but it, it, most of those bets, you know, a, a $5,000, $10,000 better back game, a big bet. Million dollar bet, it's crazy. And then add another 500000 on it, a team that won eight, that straight up. Wow. Okay, did I, I missed the part. Did he win? No, uh, both <laughs> beat him forty nine to nineteen. Oh, okay, okay. The kids they lost forty nine to nineteen. Because if he had won, that's like a red flag, man. Nobody makes that kind of bet on a Kent State game. That would have been the feds would have been involved, correct? <laughs> I don't know. They, you know, they vet them, and it would be if you were going to try to do something like that, would really go to a regulated sports book where you're going to have your tax information. And, you know, you've put this money into this account. It just seems like uh, if I was going to try to pull some key, I certainly wouldn't be doing it at a regulated sports book. I'd probably be going to, you know, meet on the corner or something like that. So generally what has happened now with all the injuries and, you know, I mean, particularly in the AFC, just teams falling apart because of quarterbacks. So what's happened with the betting action? Like where, where, where's the money shifting away from and to? 
well, you know, the Bengals with Burrow, they, they dropped. They were, you know, up there in the top tier of contenders for the Super Bowl when he was healthy. They were kind of making a run. Um, then he goes out for the season. Their odds drop all the way from, I think they're at 25 to 1, and now they're at 150 to 1. So uh, they kind of dropped out of, the, out of the mix a little bit. Uh, right now, you know, you've got a, a top tier, about five or six teams, includes the Chiefs, includes the Eagles. Uh, some people have the 49ers in there with the Dolphins and Ravens, and then the Cowboys are kind of right there behind. Uh, I think the Cowboys right now have the six best odds to win the Super Bowl. Uh, they're around 15 to 1, 12 to 1, something around those range. So there's that top tier. There's a little gap between everybody else. What is, what is, uh, what is some of the weirder action that's out there in, the, in these prop bets that Um, well, it doesn't get more weird than the, those Florida ones that uh, we just mentioned. But, yeah. uh, you know, a lot of people are starting to get interested in the college football playoff, and that's really kind of becoming interesting in terms of odds and who will make that. Uh, Georgia is a favorite right now, an odds-on favorite to make the playoff. You'd almost think as long as they beat Georgia next week, uh, they could even probably survive loss to Alabama, probably close and still get in. Uh, the Michigan-Ohio State winner, that's going to be a very interesting game on Saturday. Winner that is probably like and he gets Oregon, Washington, Florida State, who lost their quarterback. And then the long run where you guys are, they're, they're pretty right in the mix. And, of course, the odds are plus 125 to make the playoff right now. Plus 145, you said? Plus 125. 125. Wow. that That's... That's has that significantly changed? Um, you know, after the win over Alabama, they yeah. really uh, it, it, among the contenders lose to Oklahoma, so they dropped back then, but they've steadily won every game since uh, and, and built back up there. So, you know, if they run the table, they win the Big 12, uh, they're certainly in the mix uh, w- with the other teams. Hey, David, do this. Explain to people cuz I think I don't know if the average person, we all know odds. We know, okay, how the favorites work or underdog works. Explain how lines are set and by whom. So most of the lines, uh, there are a couple, the last sports books that will put out uh, the first lines. Uh, some will put out numbers and they will only take, you know, $100 or something. And so those lines are more publicity-driven. Um, they will make, make the lines. And look at their power ratings. They look at what they anticipate betting will be on. Some people will, uh, you know, the number that they're always trying to get even action on both sides. And that's kind of an old school thing. At this point, sports books, after they set the line, they're going to try to book for action. So they end up rooting on the same side as the professional betters. So that's like when you see maybe we got a ton of money, Michigan. From the public, the numbers coming down, right? The numbers come down from minus five and a half Michigan to minus three and a half. So maybe that indicates that they consider to be the sharp money beyond Ohio State. Uh, so maybe you know you have a million dollars on Michigan, maybe you have two hundred thousand on Ohio State, but that two hundred thousand dollars came from editors that they have tracked over the years with consistent success, and so that's how. They managed in terms of the odds, making the 
those operating numbers uh, are going to adjust pretty quickly to it. Um, so we'll just kind of look and see what their differential is and their power ratings and come up with a good number. So within, within a given sports book, you know, I mean, there's, there's obviously plenty out there now. Do they have, I assume there's designated people that are the ones that study the data so much, they're the ones setting the lines. Like, I mean, exactly what is the construct of personnel that sets a betting line? Is it one person yeah, that ultimately signs off? Is it one person that ultimately signs off on it? No, it's more of a team of odds makers. Uh, for example, the uh, Superbook. It's long time, uh, you know, book in Las Vegas. Used to be the old Las Vegas Hilton. Yep. Uh, it's now called the Superbook. They have a team of odds makers about a dozen guys. Now they have four key guys, and one of them will be in charge. Guy Ed Salmon Salmon is in charge of all of the ball odds, right? So he, he will go over his power ratings, and he will say, okay, uh, Texas, Texas Tech, I think it should be Texas minus 13. And he'll bounce those off teammates, and they'll kind of go back and forth before they come up with a line, and they'll post it. Now, if you're not the first sports book that goes up with a line, uh, you'll also look at what those other books have. So people get uh, say, oh, they just copied the lines. Well, of course, you can look and see what the market is. If you put up minus six, then their book puts up minus 13. You're going to get buried on one side of the money, or you're going to get a ton of money on that minus six. So um, it, it's a collaboration, um, and it really is kind of a overall market setting, right? You're looking at uh, not only what your numbers say, but what numbers are other sports books offering. So they're no different than an, an a- analyst would be for uh, an exchange on on terms of of stock prices and things like that. Yeah, you're pretty much. I mean, you're analyzing if there are little differences or low value. Do I think uh, you know to be a little bit different? Or we have some liability on arms in the Big Twelve. Maybe we don't up a little bit and try to curb some action in Texas Tech. Something along those lines, but most of it really is not complex as a lot of people think. Yes, these guys are smart. They watch more football than any of us. Uh, Really, it's the betters that shape the market. They'll throw up the opening line to get a couple bets for a sharp guy. Okay, now we're moving, and that sharp action that comes in, that's what really uh, shapes the odds. What's been the biggest? Is that is that five hundred thousand? No, I think you said was the million dollars the biggest bet this fall. The million five. Um, there's been several of them. Yeah, I can't remember. There's been a multi billion dollar one. I wouldn't be surprised if there was you know some big ones in the World Series, uh, but that was certainly among the biggest. Yeah. So, you. I think you said one time the professional betters, the smart betters. There's a term for them. They they come in late. Explain explain the logic and the strategy there. So they'll either come in really early at the very beginning uh, when the opening lines come out, or they'll wait until the very end and see if the odds move. Uh, when you wait later, you'll get bigger limits, right? You'll be able to bet a hundred thousand uh, compared to if you were betting earlier in the week. Maybe you're only going to be able to get down ten thousand. Uh, sports books want the information just as much as you do, and they know that more and more information will come out through the week. So to protect themselves by setting lower limits earlier in the week. So if you're a wise guy and you've been waiting for 
uh, let's say, Ohio State to get to plus four this week. Uh, maybe you're waiting and waiting and waiting and see if it gets there Saturday when the limits are the largest, and that's when you would place your wager. Yeah. So what what's what's out there and or interesting that that's that's coming up? I mean, I assume now we're starting to start to speculate about Super Bowl stuff. Yeah, Super Bowl and Thanksgiving is always just a huge, massive, massive football betting day. Um, back in the day, before we were so prevalent with online betting, Las Vegas Sportsbook has told me stories about how they have regular customers sprint into the sportsbook on Thanksgiving morning before <laughs> these books. I say, I just told my wife I had to go get a some egg for for, for the mashed potatoes or whatever, <laughs> uh, and flip their bets and then run out. Get it off on your phone, but uh, you know those, those, those games on, on on Thursday very very avidly bet. Uh, people sit around have their Thanksgiving meal, put some money on these games. I was a, a double digit favorite over Commanders third straight game out. They bet double digit favorite. I know that they're four and zero against spread at home this year, and seven and one against spread of favorite. So uh, they have superior talent. Dallas has been playing. Yeah, I mean, we kind of be. I got more stats here on Thanksgiving Dallas. Uh, they're twelve and zero straight up as a double uh, favorite on Thanksgiving Day. I and three against spread in those games. They've had some success on Thanksgiving Day, actually, uh, when they're favored. So the um, so the people that go, so most of sports betting. I mean, people aren't really going into bo- sports books anymore, are they? So like when I'm in a casino. The the dudes that I see that look like they haven't seen the sunshine in like twelve years, they're it seems like they're sitting at those consoles. They're they're maybe betting on horse racing or stuff that they have to sit there and watch. I mean, you don't have to run into a sports book anymore, do you? No, you do not. You you can bet on your mobile device, your phone, your tablet, your uh, laptop, um, and ninety percent of the money and up uh, is wagered is done mobily. Um, you'll still see some crowds at these sports booths because it's a fun environment. Yeah. Getting all those people in there, the giant screens, people yelling, uh, big games, Super Bowl, or March Madness is always one of my favorites. There's so many games going on, and people are hooting, hollering uh, after every basket. Uh, you still see some crowds at these sports books, but they certainly, the bulk of money is wicked online. Yeah. Um, so, what what would be a. Is there a crazy parlay for this this coming weekend? I mean, I know the the drunk frat guys, the only ones that seem to fall for these parlays. But is is there something out there that's reasonable, or do they just make these things as wild as possible? Um, you know, there's all kinds of different uh, these same game parlays that the sports books offer now. That you're able to adjust uh, passing numbers for that. Got to whatever number you want it to give you odds on that, and you, you tack in see land the, the first touchdown, and yeah. uh, maybe two over two field goals, or you know you can bet on anything at the point. Really has the menus that sports books are offering are just all encompassing, and sometimes it gets to that part of it them in trouble. I'll give you an example: uh, DraftKings on the open side of the NBA, they posted some numbers on the Lakers Nuggets game. Over under, bad on six points. And for example, they had Brock James posted like over under nine and a half. And what had happened, uh, you know, 
obviously he was going to close for the twenty or something around there. But when it happened, somebody had accidentally touched the first quarter over for the players number the stats to rebounds and stuff into the full game. So betters noticed this. They parlayed it, and this affair <laughs> lasted for 13 minutes. There's millions of dollars of liability that got down on these erroneous odds, and DraftKings happened to go to all these regulators. Some have made them pay. Uh, like I said, there was 80 bets in, in Connecticut placed on those bad odds. A total of their liability of 150000 Connecticut is a very small market. If you extrapolate that to the other states, and this was a nationwide error, better spotted it. Uh, you know, DraftKings was going to be on the hook for millions of millions of dollars, and they still are in some states. Some states have said, nope, that's an erroneous odds. You're going to be allowed to avoid that. Uh, but other states have said, nope, you got to pay it. Other states are kind of still reviewing it. So I go, to, I tell you that story just because it kind of shows you just how big these menus are. And when you have, when you're offering that many types of bets, it's easy to make an error, a typo, right? That's a copy and paste error that oh. you and I make every day when we're writing emails. Oh. If a bookmaker does it, <laughs> there are betters out there that will capitalize. Well, like, why would they, were they begging for sympathy? Why Why would a regulator care? Why would a regulator say, listen, you can't take that back. I mean, you typed it up. You put that number in there. Yeah, it's, it's an argument that a lot of people, they do have house rules. If it's an obvious error, a typo, uh, you know, somebody made uh, the wrong team the favorite, they just flipped it a little bit, that they are allowed to avoid it, and, like, some states will allow it. I mean, can you imagine if somebody put, you know, instead of Dallas laying 12 and a half, they accidentally put, uh, you know, Washington minus 12 and a half, or, or you know, Dallas <laughs> plus 12 and a half, and people jumped on it, and they, you know, would get this huge, huge liability, and you know, you can really do some damage to oh. these businesses. Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. Cash cows for the states, right? Yeah. You know, they're they're taxed. Wow. So there, there's some protections in place. Well, right or wrong, uh, it, it's been something in Europe that's gone on for a long time as well, too. They call it palpable players there. Wow. All right, David, your stuff is a must-read. I would recommend it for anyone out there on ESPN.com. It's always good talking to you, man. Have a good Thanksgiving. Have a good Thanksgiving. Thanks a lot. All right. Jeff Ward and Ed Clements, afternoons 4 to 6 on 1027 ESPN.